happy that you're here and you are in for a treat because this week we were inspired by Rihanna to talk all about love. Yes, and if you're not sure where the correlation came from, the song Love on the Brain, and that's where we're getting our inspo from this week. Yes, and it happens to be February 1st, which everyone... Oh, well, I'll take that back. Not everyone, but February is a very big commercially romantic month. I don't know how else to word that. So you may have already noticed in the aisles of the grocery store that there was a whole Valentine's Day section, and we figured we would continue on with the theme of love and romance and relationships, but put a little spin, add a little spice to that. little salt bay action. A little salt bay. <laughs> I wish they could see us with our little hand in the air. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so before we dive in, we'll do our, our regular recap. Meg, how was your week? Um, it was good. It was busy. Um, definitely a change of pace because I feel like every week has been super slow. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was nice having, like, more things to do. And if you're in the northeastern part of the United States, you're going to get hit with the snow. So I am snowed in um, today and tomorrow. So that's where the tail end of my week has gone. It's just being trapped in my house. Yeah. Cabin fever, but, like, not quite yet. But might might get there. I don't know. Yeah, within the next, like, few hours, it's going to settle in. Yeah. Well. How was your week? My week was good. I feel like it was also really busy. Kind of just mm-hmm. took off in productivity. Um, it felt like a good week, though. I feel like I didn't really catch my breath until, like, right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in all good, fun, creative projects that you can check out on my social media, if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. What... Do you think was the best part of your week last week? If you best part could determine. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like it was just like a generally good week. Like there wasn't anything in particular that was like super great, but it was just like good. Okay. Like overall feels yeah. of the week were good. Yeah. That's good. It's always nice to have a an upward spiral, spiral, an upward spiral. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what do you think, even though it was a good week, how do you feel like you kind of took care of yourself last week? Um, Well, I went to kickboxing for the first time in a while. How was Um, that? It was great. I am super sore, um, which I should have saw coming because I haven't went in a while. Yeah. Um, and I went, and I felt great, and it was really hard, but it was what I needed, and I pushed myself, and I, you know, honored my body in the way that I needed to move it, and then the next day, my whole body was sore, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is why you don't take a break. <laughs> yeah, that comeback after just being busy, being sad, being not ourselves in whatever way, that comeback to mm-hmm. physically moving your body in a really intense way is Almost like a shock to the system. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was not prepared. I felt that also. Yeah. Definitely lots of water. All that good stuff. Yes. Electrolytes. 
all of those good things. Yeah. I actually, you know, a lot of people drink Gatorade, and I drink Gatorade too, so I'm not shaming anyone for drinking Gatorade. But <laughs> um, really, I found this recipe on, I think it was either on Pinterest or on someone that I follow on Instagram, and she made her own electrolyte mix, and it's just organic maple oh. syrup, lemon, like fresh squeezed lemon, and Himalayan salt or whatever kind of salt you have at home and she Mm -hmm. says that it's the same concept of it's like the purest form of electrolyte replenishment rather than getting all the added sugar stuff and all Mm. that that's super interesting yeah don't have to kind of break the bank to get your electrolyte well I felt that way too kind of going back to CrossFit after a month off because of Miss Rona visiting me, mm-hmm. but I feel like after the third day, it was less of a physical resistance and more of the mental resistance that was coming up. Of well, I could just sit on the couch, and that's so right. much like better, it's so much easier. Yeah, but really showing myself lots of compassion and just saying, "Well, mm-hmm. I'm gonna feel so good once I'm." done all I have to do is show up I don't need to give a million percent like just get there and yeah absolutely that was that was a big part of last week is just chug keep on chugging yes well do you want to take us into the topic for this week and this month we're we're gonna see this theme come back in a bunch of different ways Sure. Um, so, you know, since February mm-hmm. is the season of love, and, you know, the season of Hallmark and all of those things, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be talking about, today, romantic relationships, um, dating myths and debunking those myths and, you know, explaining what different relationship flags are, because I feel like there's so much information online. Um, yes. Like, you can literally Google top 10 dating myths and how to get around them. Um, or, you know, you see content on TikTok or Instagram or other influencers say that, like, this is what's healthy, this isn't healthy. And it's hard to take all of that in without a grain of salt because, like, we're working from the therapist of being, or perspective of being a therapist. Yeah. So we know, you know, what it's like to healthily communicate and have those stable, secure attachments in those relationships. But if you have someone, which we'll get into this, on toxic TikTok, mm. that's like, here's how to hack his Snapchat and figure out who his best friend is, like, yes. that's not really the way to go. Yes. Yeah. I, that, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I wrote that in the, the script in prepping for this episode. Mm-hmm. So much of that has come up on my TikTok for you page as well of just stalking people on snap maps and this is how to find out how where they've been and this is how to look at things on their Instagram and Mm -hmm. I say this with love to anyone who may be listening but if you have to do any of those things then the relationship is probably already not super healthy and it isn't going to sustain very long right right and that's with love but yes, back. so much love, so much love. And for, speaking of someone who's been there, you know, I uh, used to be that girl back in mm-hmm. college, very much used to be that girl of knowing, needing to know exactly where my boyfriend was at the time and who he was with and checking his snap score if it went up, if he wasn't answering me that, that, um, 
I want to say, in a way, we've all kind of been there in one way, shape, or form, Mm -hmm. but I'm no longer with that person, so it says a lot about that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, we are going to dive right into some dating myths, so we did a little bit of research to come up with what we saw online as the most common dating myths, and... One of the first things that came up, or some of the major points that we found, were that you needed an immediate spark to be in a, to be with this person. What do you think about that, Meg? Um, I think it's interesting because we get, you know, if we're going to go into psychology, that initial rush of dopamine. When we're with that person, oxytocin and those feel good feelings of like, oh, they're the one, you know, this is, this is it. And, you know, you can have your happily ever after with someone that you don't initially mesh well with, or you don't spark with. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard plenty of stories of people were like, oh, when I first met you, like, I didn't like you. I was intimidated by you. I, you know, you caught me off guard and, you know, I just, I didn't like your vibe. And then they get to know each other and they communicate and they keep running into each other and they're like, oh, well, you're not who I thought you were. Yeah, and that kind of debunks it right there. Absolutely. I think what you just said is really important, that we very much have a perception of a person when we first meet them. And if we're looking for a specific hit, if we think about it that way, you know, if we're looking, meaning a chemical reaction to happen, then we don't really get to see someone for who they truly are. And we, if, sure. you know, so that is very much debunked, especially if we think about needing that spark, depending obviously on what that spark looks like, but sometimes it can kind of give us a deeper inclination that maybe we're looking for someone who has similar trauma as us, who, you know, can relate to us on that type of level, which can be really captivating and mesmerizing and draws us in because, oh my gosh, this person can relate to me and this person just gets it. And it also can essentially lead to trauma bonding, which is where we just connect over really painful things in our lives and it goes so much deep deeper than just connecting over those things but really kind of again that physiological response of needing a certain set of chemicals to go off in order to feel really deeply connected to someone Mm -hmm. and you know as you're talking I'm even thinking of dating apps like tinder and what is the definition of tinder it's something to light a spark yes Um, and you know that's I didn't know that yeah, they did a little play on words there. Wow. Um, like you like Tinder is the stuff that you would gather like to light a fire. So like the sticks and the leaves oh, and everything. Duh. Um so you know, they're working on like you get that swipe and then you get that rush of like, oh this person matched me, like, oh mm. they're good looking, oh they're this, they're that, they're the other thing. And like we've all seen catfish, first of all. Oh, you gosh. can completely lie and then make up this facade of who you are and this person that you think you wanna be. And then you kept pulling people in and reeling them in. And then they're like, well, this isn't who I thought you were. Like, so that spark meant nothing. Yes. Yeah. Which I, side note, can't believe that people are still out there in the world being catfished. Like, how 
don't how don't you know it's a TV show and I, I mean I just that's a whole another conversation but absolutely I think that even to think about dating apps that they focus on I mean there's so many right now or there's so many out there but I think they focus on very specific attributes and mm-hmm. it's literally a make it or break it so quick down to a second in order to um, get an approval or get a swipe or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So we are debunking that myth and mm-hmm. we are, our, I don't want to say advice because it's not advice, but our, um, what word would you use? Mm-hmm. It was hard because we advise and we don't give advice. Yes. So um, I'm wondering, you know, like our idea around this, you know, I guess it would be our advice mm-hmm. or our, our take. Our take on it, yeah, is to really get to know a person more deeply or more authentically than just based off of a swipe or what you can read in the profile or your first encounter with them, or maybe even your second encounter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What is one of the other myths that we came across? This is always a good one. Um, happy couples don't fight. Mm. So <laughs> this is really common. I hear this a lot. Um, where it's like, oh, you know, like, we're so great together. We've never fought before. Like, we've never had a disagreement. We're just always on the same page. And that's wonderful that it's, like, gumdrops and lollipops, but conflict is inevitable. And it goes back to do you have the skills to resolve conflict and communicate um, in a way that's appropriate and effective so that when you do have a disagreement, because we're different people and we should be differentiated from our partners. Um, We shouldn't be enmeshed and we'll get into codependency when we talk about other myths, but you need to be able to say, okay, well, I disagree with you. This is why. And do that without screaming at each other. And if you do that while screaming at each other, that may have been what was modeled for you growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, our, our grownups, our parents, our caretakers, teachers, the media, you know, people that we look up to really show us how to behave and what to do and how to react and how to respond. So if it's like, well, the only way I know how to deal with conflict is through getting really defensive and yelling because that's all that was modeled for me, mm. then it's going to manifest into your adult relationships and you're going to have a really hard time. Yeah. And again, we, we share this to really more so kind of shed light on what's healthy in terms of pr- productive and, and especially with communication skills. Like Meg said, conflict is inevitable, whether it's in a romantic relationship, the workplace, friendships, your neighbor, you know, the person at the grocery store. So especially the phrase happy couples don't fight, it almost even adds an extra layer of, I want to say stigma or judgment that if a couple does fight, and I'm using air quotes for fight, because we really could, that's defined by you know, depending on whoever is talking about it, but the way that we're using it is more so about argue or kind of just have a more in-depth conversation about opposing opinions and, and needs and maybe ideas that it really does go back to what have, how have we always done this before we met this person and 
how has that been working for us? Has it has it been working for us, or do we avoid conflict like the plague, or do we find ourselves in a lot of conflict? You know, all of these are really deeper kind of thinking points for you. Yeah, and you know, like you brought up, um, what did you just say? I had it and then I lost it. This is real time. My one point P brain. <laughs> It'll come back to you. It'll come back like in 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but but I, yeah, like you bring up all very good points of, you know, what's modeled for us is how we behave and it takes a level of self-awareness to recognize those patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know Medina and I both on our separate Instagrams, which if you don't follow us, you should, you know, yes. plug. but um, <laughs> we talk a lot about like being on autopilot. And when you're on autopilot, that's when you don't recognize those behaviors or those patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you find that you're constantly getting into fights with your partner or all of your partners. You have these big blah arguments and you're like, I don't understand they're the problem. It's not me when it's like, well, maybe it's some time for some introspection and say, well, am I the denominator here? You know, am I part of the problem? Absolutely. And I think that's a really big part of being in any type of relationship is recognizing your part of it, your role in it, because ultimately we all have a role. We're all bringing something to the table and we really need to take a look at what that is and if it's working, if it's not working. Um, I do think something, especially going back to the happy couples don't fight in uh, conflict resolution or conflict um, communication is really absorbed by our adults or our caregivers or, you know, just things modeled to us, as Meg mentioned. And, you know, something that even when I work with parents, for example, or clients who are parents, and they talk about not wanting to fight with their spouses or partners or whoever it may be, and really kind of shifting that conversation that it's less, I mean, if people are getting violent and all of that, that's a, we're putting that aside, but when it's just an argument or a disagreement in whatever, um, we really are able to shift the conversation in that moment. And rather than wanting to not expose air quotes, the the child to the disagreement, really focusing on communicating really productively and really healthy, especially around their child or whoever else it may be, knowing that the child is absorbing it one way or another. So if we always saw, for example, our grownups or our parents or whoever fight, but we never saw them make up, that's going to really impact us as we get older because the fight is inevitable, the argument. Um, But what's more important is how are we watching them make up? How are we watching them say, you know, I'm sorry for yelling or I'm sorry for losing my temper or I'm sorry that I said that or, you know, however it is. And especially if we, or was it quite the opposite where we never saw them argue or fight or disagree, but we could feel the tension and the energy and that in enough in itself was enough to know that something was wrong. So happy couples do fight. They do argue and they do it in a way that is non-defensive. They take accountability for their role and they also are able to 
say, okay, this is getting too much for me. And I think all of this, again, is a really big learning process of having that awareness of, hey, how does this work for me? Is it working for me? Yeah, definitely. The next one is never go to bed angry. Hmm. What do you, this is a funny one because I, growing up Albanian American, I never really heard this before until I, um, got older, I guess you could say, or until I saw it in movies or it wasn't something that was necessarily portrayed in my specific household, which is a whole other thing. But, um, I think never go to bed angry is, depending on how you look at it, it can either be, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how to, like, perceive it. What do you think about that? It can go one of two ways. And this is one that, like, wasn't modeled for me either growing up. Like, it mm-hmm. was never a thing to be like, oh, don't go to bed angry, like, it wasn't until, like, I got into my own relationships that I heard that phrase get thrown around a lot. Um, yeah. I feel like it can go one of two ways. Either, if we're not going to debunk the myth, don't go to bed angry because you need to resolve the conflict. Um, you need to talk it out. You have to process. But on the other hand, is people can't talk and be productive when they're not ready to do it. Yes. So if that person just needs to go to bed and sleep it off because they're not in an emotional place to have that conversation, like, you have to respect their boundaries and let them. You know, they might not be in a place to have the conversation right now because they're too emotionally charged to be having it in a way that would be productive for both people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, is that easy? No. Right. Especially if you have someone who's very much like a fixer in the relationship who is like, don't go to bed angry. And they get into a disagreement, they get into an argument. And the other person's like, you know what? I can't have this conversation right now. I need to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And the other person's like, well, no, we have to talk about it. And then we get into the conversation about boundaries. And it's like, well, this person is setting a boundary to say, I can't have the conversation right now, which is different than stonewalling, which I'll let Medina kind of explain what stonewalling is. Um, to just be like, I need more time. I need to process this myself before I can process it with you. Yeah. And that that exactly is what stone, the difference between setting a boundary saying I need more time I need space I this is really overwhelming for me right now I have a lot of thoughts or however that comes out for someone versus shutting down and walking away slamming doors um, leaving the space the house whatever closing the phone closing the phone (laughs) hanging up the phone um, and never returning back to the conversation and that's stonewalling and I think stonewalling is uh actually the Gottmans um to explain the Gottmans they're leading researchers on relationships and they have created the four horsemen the four horsemen of the apocalypse very dramatic titled because they wanted to really portray by this research that they did that if these four things happen in your relationship perpetually, then your relationship really uh, can use a tune-up to think about it that way. It doesn't mean your relationship is doomed or it's never going to work out, but really it's more so kind of be mindful if these are the, the different behaviors that are kind of coming up. And the last one, there's four of them, 
criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. I like to think about them as levels. So stonewalling would be the fourth level, which is, I guess, the most intense, because at that point, we're completely cutting ourselves off. We're not even giving, you know, you as my partner, I'm not even giving you the time of day. I'm completely minimizing or dismissing whatever it is that's coming up. And especially because I'm not coming back to it. I'm leaving or I'm shutting down. I'm refusing to talk. And there's never a resolution that comes out of it, which is really sad. So, yeah. Well, taking a look, we have a whole list of myths here, and I'm trying to yes, we do figure out which one I want to touch upon next. We have so many that we wrote down so many because there's just so much out there that I, I think Megan and I both realized as we were doing this this research and preparing for this episode, and just. Like we said, TikTok, Instagram, social media, um, our own experiences that we realize a lot of what's normalized around relationships is really unhealthy. So that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. So I think the one that I want to touch upon is you can't tell them how you really feel or else it's too real. Like you can't express how you're feeling. And this one came to mind for me because I see a lot of TikToks where it's like when they've seen you naked but you're scared to tell them how you feel or you're scared to ask them to hang out and like again it's that self-deprecating like really funny kind of humor um but in doing so like you're denying yourself your own emotional process not honoring yourself Mm -hmm. um and we know that it's really scary to be vulnerable and be emotionally intimate and say okay well hey like i'm really catching feelings for you or i'm really falling for you and there's definitely opportunity for rejection which all of us don't like yeah. Um, you know, we don't ever want to experience that because it's painful and it's uncomfortable and it's something that we have to kind of sift through. But when we deny ourselves the ability to express how we're feeling, um, it kind of changes the expectation for the relationship. And setting expectations is so important, especially when you're in the dating world, I mm. guess. And you need to figure out like, okay, well, this is what I want out of, you know, this relationship with a person or a partner or whatever it may be. What do you want? You know, is it we need to be able to talk about our feelings so that we know we're on the same page because if Susie is dating, I don't want to be heteronormative, but the first thing that came to mind was John. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And she says, I'm really falling for you. And he's like, Oh, well like this is just a hookup. Mm. Then there's different expectations. And someone's going to get hurt if they continue that song and dance without actually talking about what's going on. Yes. Yeah. If this is just a situation ship for you, then let me know so that I don't overly invest in you emotionally, financially, romantically, however, and I have I can set my expectations accordingly so that we're on the same page. Why do you think that happens? Um, I think it happens because people don't like to peel back that layer and say, oh, well, I've been seeing this person for, you know, a couple of weeks or X amount of months, and, you know, we've hooked up, we've gone on dates, we've done whatever, but the thought of me being emotionally raw mm. is more scary than being physically raw, if you will, to put it that way. Like, it's easier to have sex with someone, to be frank, than it is to be like, hey, I'm feeling this type of way for you. Yeah. 
Well, I think it goes back to what we've talked about in almost every episode, I think, is really avoiding emotional vulnerability and intimacy by kind of like swerving right around the topic Um, because it's, quote unquote, easier to be physically involved rather than tap into our emotions. But realistically, our emotions are there. We can't deny them we can't turn them off we can't pretend they don't exist you know that they deserve to be acknowledged and or else they're going to make themselves acknowledged in other ways so I think this also leads into a flag that we're going to talk about in a bit Um, and I think in in some way all of these dating myths in one way or another could be a level of flag. You know, we usually look for red flags in relationship. Um, I would say red flags. I feel like we all know what red flags are. Like I think about like the beach shark, bad, scary waves, you know, danger threats. And it's kind of the same thing in relationships that a red flag would be something that is just, we can't deny, we can't ignore. It's really obvious and kind of in our face. How would you describe green and yellow flags? Um, I would describe green flags as kind of like your, like I think of like, um, I don't think they use green flags in NASCAR. Like you can't ask me because I don't watch NASCAR, but I think of like go-karts. Okay. Where like they would wave a green flag and say, okay, go. Like, yes. it's, like, this is your indicator of, like, okay, like, this is a good sign. Like, this is okay to move forward. Whereas yellow flags aren't quite red flags, um, but they're more so, like, you might want to keep an eye on this and, like, see if you identify a pattern or see if this gets worse. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like a halfway flag, and we really need to be mindful of it so that it doesn't become a full-fledged red flag. So I think in one way or another, all of these dating myths are different levels of yellow or red. I even think about yellow flags, and and this is just like my personal philosophy, that there's something that you're observing, you know, as the one of the people in the relationship, or if if you're in a multi-person relationship, that's cool too. Um, But it's something that you're noticing is bothersome in one way shape or form and you have really a lot of different options with what to do with that you could just continue to watch it like Meg said and be mindful of it and see if it develops or if it kind of resolves or you can speak up about it and kind of share you know I'm noticing this or I'm observing this can we talk a little bit more about it that before the yellow flag is kind of the determining factor at least again and this this is just my personal philosophy that if if I if you and I are dating Meg which I would be honored to date you and I brought up a yellow flag that I'm noticing about our relationship and you don't take it very well or you don't receive it very well well that just became a red flag and I don't know if we're gonna work out you know the story of us might be ending soon but if if you're willing to hear me and receive it well and we're willing really willing to work on this together then it can become a green flag it can transform into a green flag and that just opened up a deeper level of connection between you and I Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah 
What is another dating myth? Let's see. Hmm. I know I um, touched on codependency a little bit and the idea of always having to put your partner first. Um, yes. You know, there's... I like to think there's good intention there. I know I'm going to put them first and, you know, I'm going to make sure they're okay before I'm okay. But this is a very slippery slope to be like hanging out on um, because it can turn into full blown codependency and enmeshment um, Mm. where you're not able to differentiate yourself from your partner and you fall into this caretaking role where you're enabling this person, Um, whether it be just bad behavior, you can think of enabling as like substance use disorders, um, or even just enabling of like they never picked their clothes up off the floor. Mm-hmm. And you find that you're always picking their clothes up off the floor because it's like, oh, well, I do this because I care about them, or this is my love language and, you know, acts of service. And we can talk about love languages on a whole other episode. Yeah. Um, but you continuing to pick up their clothes is enabling them. Um, it's, it's creating that codependent relationship where that your clothes aren't getting picked up now, mm-hmm. but their clothes are getting picked up because you're more worried about them than you are about yourself. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a really big part of this. And how do you think that develops? I mean, do you think it's very conscious that someone's waking up and saying, I'm going to be in a codependent relationship? Oh, no, no. I don't think it's something that we do consciously. It definitely is something that develops over time. Um, And if you don't, like, nip it in the bud, it just continues to develop and get more and more codependent and more and more unhealthy. Um, where, you know, it starts out as like, oh, well, you know, I, I care about you so much that, you know, I, I come second. Mm-hmm. And then it, you, it comes from like that honeymoon lovey-dovey phase. And it very quickly can turn into resentment of like, yes. I cannot stand that you don't fucking pick up your clothes off the floor. Where like it yes. was cute and fun before. of Like, oh, like, ah, you left your sock on the floor. Or now it's like, I'm literally going to rip your head off because you left your pants on the floor again. Yeah. It becomes really redundant after a while. I think it also goes back to, especially thinking about codependency and how I don't think anyone wakes up and chooses codependency or it doesn't happen overnight in any way, but it really is something that goes back to, I think, I feel like we kind of sound, or I kind of sound like a cliche therapist. It all comes back to childhood, but... Mm -hmm. Really, you know, it goes back to our caregivers and our adults and what our caregivers give us, teach us lessons on relationships, whether they're sitting us down and saying, hey, this is how you should do it, or they're just living their life. We're absorbing, we're taking it all in, and that becomes our compass for the relationships that we get into. And does it mean that we're doomed or we're going to be repeating those patterns? Again, they're definitely consciousness and mindfulness and intentionality all play a role in not just growing up and dating our parents in any way or falling (laughs) into those same patterns but I do think with codependency it's it's something that is kind of a bit deeper rooted in terms of well maybe it's normal air quotes of seeing one partner always do those types of tasks for the other partner and it was never questioned. It was never talked about that. It was just norm, normal. Yeah. Um, and it definitely goes back to, again, teaching us, you know, 
relational skills and how to interact with one another, as well as whether relationships are safe or not and how we gauge safety and how we know if someone's safe for us mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, all of those different things. I think uh, I saw also online, and I'm even reflecting on some of my experiences, some of the worst dating advice. Uh, one, number one, one of the worst dating advices that advices, I don't know if that's a real word, but I would say is uh, they can change and how that can be really problematic at times. Yes, we're all capable of change. That's really uh, a beautiful thing about us being human. But like you said, Meg, kind of enabling that, is that also a, are we getting stuck on potential of someone changing or the vision of someone changing? Or are we in denial of kind of where we're at and where the relationship is? And you know, how sometimes they can change or they will change also keeps us stuck among, you know, with other factors as well in, in really abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that goes on the same line of thought of like, well, I can fix them. Oh, you know, yes. They, that's a big one. Of, oh, well, you know, I'm different. I can fix them. They can change. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get sucked into that codependent relationship where now you're caretaking for this person and might fall into, you know, a motherly role if we think about the patriarchy and how common it is for women to fall into that role. Yeah. Um, where you just start to full-blown resent them and you're like, you know, I was supposed to fix you and now I feel like I failed at my job and that I'm not a good partner because I couldn't get you to change. Yeah. That is a whole episode on its own and maybe we could create one inspiration <laughs> because that, that goes very deep into the different archetypes that we have as people and really kind of our role unconsciously with others and the relationships we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Some other really poor, other poor dating advice. Um, when you meet the right person, you'll know right away. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that also ties into a dating myth of relationships if the relationship is meant to work out, it'll just work out. And how both of those things, again, I think really can be so harmful because relationships, as we've talked about in, in many ways so far, really require work and honest communication and intentionality with one another. And there's, it's almost this fairy tale notion that, well, when I meet you, Megan, I'm just so captivated by you and I'm, it's just going to work out because there's that spark. It's all tying in together, but also tying that into the next dating myth. The final one is they know exactly what they did to upset me. And I think that this one might be one of the, the most biggest, like, oh no, you know, that TikTok sound that's like, Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, I'm so glad you sang it because I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. You started playing it in your head. Yes, but that's exactly what I hear when I hear, well, they know exactly what they did to upset me. And just know 
you know, we are, and I think again with love that we are not mind readers. This is a really big common concern, issue, gap in communication that's not just with romantic relationships, you know, in any type of relationship where it ties back into really needing to communicate with one another really intentionally and and also recognizing that if you notice that you're having a hard time communicating, that doesn't mean that you're stuck or broken or there's something wrong with you, but those are skills that you can learn by trying different things. Um, But especially with this, you know, we really need to share what's happening internally for us so that, Meg, you know next time to not eat my cookies because that's really going to upset me because I bought them and they're really expensive and I spent a lot of money on them. So please don't eat my cookies anymore. You won't live. I think what when we do this, and I think we all do this in one way or another, we hold back from how we really feel. Overall, it's a recipe for resentment. And it's just going to build and build and pile on and on until we explode, whatever that looks like. So at this point, we're going to segue into talking about the different flags that we talked a bit about before. And we're going to help you really decipher what are some green flags, some yellow flags, and some red flags. And Meg is going to take us off with that. So I know we already talked a little bit about what these flags are Mm -hmm. um, and kind of what they mean and what the indicator is. And, you know, my favorite saying is, well, with rose-colored glasses, red flags are just flags. And, like, when we're looking at the person and we're like, oh, they're so wonderful and they're so attractive and they're so dreamy and captivating and magnificent and it's like all right take off the glasses like we need to take a look at this person are they healthy for you do you feel safe with them like in all facets not just like physically safe of course that's really important um but we need to recognize that the flags are there for a reason whether they're good or bad and that we need to be like okay well what do they mean for me um So I'm going to read from a list that I found from the millennial therapist on Instagram, Mm -hmm. not sponsored, but just giving her a shout out um, of some relationship green flags. So these are things that you would be looking for. Like you want to see them waving the green flag and say, oh, okay, that's, that's a healthy behavior. Um, So some of those things are, they apologize when they're wrong. Um, Their words and their behaviors align. They encourage connections with others. Um, so like they want you to have, you know, relationship with your friends, your family. They don't want you to cut people off. Um, they speak about their ex-partners with respect. That's a really mm-hmm. big one. Um, if you hear like, oh, well, you know, she was bad shit crazy. Then it's like, oh, well, if that's how you talk about your old partners, how are you going to talk about me when our relationship expires? Like, right. what does that say about you? Um, right. They communicate clearly and honestly. They set honor and respect boundaries. They show up authentically and offer space for you to do the same. They're intentional about resolving conflict. Um, They're actively working on their own growth and their own healing because they recognize that they're not a perfect person. Mm -hmm. Um, They share compatible goals for the relationship, and they make you feel seen, heard, and appreciated. Yes. Yes. Yes to all of that. We want that. (laughs) We need that. Those are the things that we would be looking for. When you're looking for flags, those are the green flags. Yes. I think to even add on to that is the relationship being reciprocal. So if I'm giving 
this, whatever this is, whether that's time, energy, effort, money, whatever, you know, the relationship, the other partner is reciprocating that back to me. It might not look exactly the same, but that it, whatever is reciprocated back in the way that they would show that. So ultimately, the relationship is not one-sided. And you might have mentioned this. Yes, you did. Um, That their words and their actions line up, you know, that they are really living with integrity and the what they're saying to you is actually what they're doing and vice versa in a positive way. And I'm also thinking about green flags that if we the reason we're talking about flags again like Meg said is we all know what red flags are and some of us have different red flags based off of our experiences and life and whatnot, but there's some common red flags and I think we don't talk enough about green flags and how to really understand how a relationship is safe or if it's safe, especially going back to childhood, (laughs) that if we didn't have some healthy relationships modeled for us, you know, it's okay we can learn how to be healthier in relationships or how to have healthier relationships. And I think that's why these flags or understanding and seeing these flags are really helpful and having us be really objective and, okay, am I able to have boundaries in this relationship and, you know, communicate to my partner and they communicate back or they, um, empathetic towards me? Are we able to be vulnerable? Do I have hobbies? Do they have hobbies? You know, that I think about green flags. I'm wondering what you think about this is kind of like when we have most green flags out of all the different types of flags in our relationship, when they're mostly green, it really is almost like a, a gauge of how balanced the relationship is. You know, that I have, I think about like a Venn diagram me in one circle it's my partner and their own circle and then where it overlaps is us together and green flags really help that be stable and be even yeah I think also coming out of maybe a relationship that had more yellow flags or maybe a relationship that was all red flags uh we also learn, you know, we're worthy of green flags in a relationship and we're worthy of having someone who communicates openly and is in touch with their emotions and has, uh, practices self-care and has hobbies and interests and they're vulnerable. Um, and I saw this on Instagram, so I can't take credit for it. I don't know where I saw it. I screenshotted it, but it says one person's you require too much is someone else's, oh, that's all you need. And I just thought that was really well put for what we're talking about and what would be yellow flags so like we said um the yellow flags are the things that you kind of want to be mindful of um that you're like okay well you know this is something I should pay attention to um but not necessarily like a deal breaker um Mm. so one of them is just feeling like you're going through the motions with the other person Mm -hmm. um shutting down or giving up during disagreements. So you're not having like that big blowout out fight, but you're just like, like, fuck it. I'm not fighting with you about this. Like we've had this conversation a thousand times. I'm not getting into this with you and kind of just being like, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. 
um, mm-hmm. having to repeat yourself multiple times during communication. So like we talked about that green flag of making sure that you felt heard and seen and appreciated. The yellow flag version of that is having to repeat yourself a lot um, because you're not being heard in the way that you need to be. Yes. Um, feeling like you did something wrong, but you don't know what it is. So a lot of that anxiety of like, oh, well, you know, did I close the door too loud and now they're upset? You know, what does that how does that impact their behavior and what does that mean for our relationship and kind of questioning the value and the foundation of your relationship based on things that you're not even sure that happened yet. Yes. Um, and then feeling like you need a break from your relationship. Like it's too much. Um, and not like, Oh, well, you know, I don't want to not be with them, but I just need a break from you. Like this is too much for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, hiding parts of yourself from your partner where, you, you know, this one makes me sad because it it's, you know, resonates a lot with people who can't authentically be themselves with their partner. So they can't have genuine interests or hobbies or, you know, the connections that they want to have with loved ones in their life because they feel like they're going to be judged by their partner. Mm. Um, but it's like, you know, how, how fulfilling is that for you that you're not able to be truly authentic with someone that you supposedly care very much about, but they're, you're allowing them to hold you back. Um, or you find yourself discussing details of your relationship with people other than your partner more often. So that would be like my partner and I got into it and I went and told Medina, but I didn't say any of this to my partner's face. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't try to fix the conflict. I didn't try to work it out with them. I was just like, you know what? I shut down. I gave up. I'm going to go vent about it to my 10 friends. And then we're going to have like, I have a whole army now against my partner. <laughs> Yeah. Because I went and vented all of these things instead of just fixing the problem with my partner themselves. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is a looming feeling of disconnect. So just feeling like you're not really, you know, deeply bonded with your partner. Mm-hmm. All of those make me sad because yeah. in the end, it's they all kind of boil down to feeling really disconnected and alone in the relationship. And I think the second to last one that you said made me think of something I wanted to share that especially if we don't feel like we can go to our partner and say, hey, I'm really upset by this, but I turn to my eight friends or my one friend or whatever. Um, I see this a lot. I mean, this happens at any point, but we usually turn to people. Well, let me rephrase this. We can turn to people outside of our relationship for support with our relationship and what can happen over time is if we're consistently turning to these our friends we'll say it's a group of friends maybe it's one maybe it's three maybe it's seven who you know who knows but if we're consistently telling them and turning to them when we need support what they're also getting is the the worst parts of our relationship they're hearing the you know, they're hearing us when we're in pain and it for whatever our partner did or whatever they didn't do or whatever. And I think what ends up happening at times is we hopefully can come back to our partner and resolve things or something's worked out or whatever. And we continue to kind of be in this pattern, maybe, that over time our friends become less empathetic towards us. Not all friends, but I see this a lot in um, relationships and, and friendships, I want to say in like middle school and high school, or maybe even college where, you know, we, our friends get to a point, I even had friends in 
college that were essentially sick of hearing about me and my boyfriend's arguments at the time who, you know, they loved me and they cared about me so much and they would be there for me each time. But I was stuck in a cycle, I could say, where I only turned to them to share about the bad stuff and they never got to see the good stuff or when there was good stuff. And ultimately it can, again, make us feel even more alone because now we've created this divide in a way in our lives. And my friendships now are obviously very, very different, but I've also learned how to uh, communicate clearly to the person that my partner now of, hey, this is really upsetting me before I turn to my five friends about it and they get the emotional intensity behind however I may be feeling. So taking us into red flags, what are those? So red flags are like, oh my goodness, like this might be a deal breaker. There needs to be a conversation had. This isn't healthy. Um, And, you know, a lot of the times we don't want to face the reality because it's hard for us to confront things. It's hard for us to say, oh, well, like, this isn't going to work. Like, Mm -hmm. this doesn't work for me. I don't like this. This makes me uncomfortable. This makes me feel unsafe, whatever it may be. Um, so just to list off a few relationship red flags, um, violation of boundaries. That's a big one. Um, if you set boundaries, like I can't have this conversation right now and they keep pressing and pressing and pressing, then they're not respecting your boundaries. Um, and boundaries are the way that we communicate with others of how we want to be treated. So Mm -hmm. if you communicate that to your partner and they're not respectful of that, then they don't really care how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. They're going to treat you however they want to treat you and they're going to keep it moving. Um, and that's my spiel on boundaries and codependency and being a red flag. Yes. Um, lack of communication, so not being able to talk about things with your partner in absence of trust. Um, like we see on toxic TikTok, like checking his snap maps, like mm-hmm. tracking his phone, you know, needing to know his location all the time, like not being able to trust that they're doing what they're saying they're doing. Yeah. Um, double standards, unrealistic expectation or pressure. So it's like, oh, we've been dating for three months. Like, we should move in together. And it's like, if that's what you both want, like, fine. But if one person is like, um, I'm going to need you to pump the brakes. Like, (laughs) relax. Um, That can be a red flag. The constant fluctuation between highs and lows. So there's never, like, a, a neutral, steady middle ground. It's like you guys are either doing really, really great and you're in, like, this honeymoon phase or you're doing absolutely awful and you're on the verge of breaking up. Mm-hmm. Um, uneven power dynamics so that can be financially emotionally physically um you know whatever it may be and when I think of power dynamics I think a lot about safety um, yeah so if there's a like a financial power dynamic of like well you know my partner makes more money than me so I can't survive on my own mm-hmm. um like that puts you in a really tough position because it's like this is a red flag and this relationship might not be healthy but I need to survive Yes. Um, and that could be a whole other episode also. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unreconcilable values and beliefs. So if you have one person who believes the sky is blue and the other person believes that the sky is purple and they just cannot get on the same page, um, and it's really important to the both of them that they have that belief, then it might be a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, these values and beliefs are much larger than just if you prefer cream in your coffee or your coffee black. Um, you know, they could be 
sometimes it boils down to politics it boils down to religious beliefs it boils down to spiritual beliefs where it's like you know what like we're just not on the same page and we're not going to be able to be on the same page or even agree to disagree like this is going to get in the way of us yeah um having diverse goals for the relationship so if your goals are both like on opposite ends of the spectrum where it's like oh well i want to get married and have kids and have this big family like a hallmark movie and your partner's like well i want to you know backpack and travel the world i don't really want kids and you know i don't really like having a big family then that's going to cause tension yeah and be like that recipe for resentment of like oh well you know i didn't have kids because you didn't want them you know that's all i ever wanted in life and it's like whoa that's Mm. a lot um yeah lack of space to be your authentic self so again feeling almost like bullied by your partner of like oh well i can't enjoy these things because like they're gonna judge me or they're gonna tell me it's stupid or a waste of time or a waste of money um and then patterns of self-betrayal to keep the status quo and i love talking about self-betrayal because self-betrayal happens when we violate our own boundaries so we may say oh well you know, I need to go to bed at 10 o'clock because I have to get up at five for work. And your partner's like, oh, well, I wanted to watch a movie and I wanted to watch SNL, which comes out at 12. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I don't want to upset them because they like when I do stuff with them. So I'm going to stay up anyway, despite the fact that I have to get up at five o'clock and then five o'clock rolls around and you're miserable Yeah. Um, because you don't want to create waves or like rock the boat. So it's like, I'm going to continue to betray myself in order to keep the other person happy. Yes. And that definitely goes into a, a deeper topic of, um, especially in, in regard to self-betrayal and self-sabotage, that it's, mm-hmm. we learn it along the way, and a lot of it is kind of un, unconscious in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you really went in on red flags and really helped me understand. And I, I think also, I'm wondering, you know, especially with the red flags, if they're so obvious that they're red flags, why do we ignore them at times? I mean, I, I know we just talked very briefly that it's really unconscious, but I'm wondering why else way, way, why else (laughs) may we ignore red flags? Well, I think part of it is, you know, we don't like conflict because mm-hmm. it makes it hard. Um, and, you know, we thought that part of this process of what love is, I'm using air quotes, okay. um, that pain and chaos and all of this drama is a part of love. Like, it's supposed to be very passionate and intense and, you know, all the time in your face. And it's like, that's what the media portrays, but, like, it doesn't need to be like that. Like, it can just be chill and everything can be fine. Um like you don't need like fine. constant drama like riled up to be like oh I'm so in love with you like we like broke dishes over an argument like mm. no no yes yeah um, you might be scared that they would hurt you or that they would leave if you said anything and especially you know if we were to take this in a different context thinking about victims of abuse Mm-hmm. Um, where they know the red flags are there and they're like, well, I can't leave. Like, it's not safe for me to go anywhere. I don't have anywhere to go. Um, I rely on this person for income. They have control over my finances. They have control of who I talk to, um, and not being able to have an out when they need it. Um, or this other person may said, Oh, you know, I'll change. Okay. You know, I hear you. I'm going to change. And again, you're going through the same cycles. 
So you believe them, even though they said it would get better. Um, or, you know, on the other hand, you felt ashamed and you felt like you deserve to be treated that way. And, you know, I'm, I don't know my listeners. I mean, I know some of them. I know I have a lot of friends that listen to the podcast, but no one deserves to be treated in any type of way that is degrading or demeaning yes. or makes them feel like they're not respected or valued or cared for, um, regardless of what you did to that person. You know, you could have, I don't know, done something that wasn't okay. It doesn't mean that you deserve that in return. Um, yeah. Or you chose to see the good in this person, even though they were still hurting you. Um, which that's another one that makes me really sad because I'm one of those people where I choose to see the good in people. Um, and I end up getting hurt because of it because I'm like, oh, well, you know, there's so much potential and I fall in love with potential. And I, I say, oh, you know, you're such a good person. Like, it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. you'll do better next time. Um, or you just didn't know what a red flag was. Maybe you're listening to this episode and you're like, holy shit, I didn't even know there were flags. Yes. Like, and now you're at the freaking flag party where we're throwing them all at you. Or waving all the flags back and forth. You're basically at a NASCAR event. But like relationships. We're waving the plane in of the relationship. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I think I, I can speak for myself that it wasn't really until... I was in a relationship previously that was almost all red flags. And I realized that green flags exist in relationships. They're not like this unicorn out there that you can be in a healthy relationship. And I was worthy of being in a healthy relationship that gave me the encouragement we can think of um, or the motivation to not be in that red flag majority relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot today about relationships and uh, we hope that this episode for anyone who may be listening has helped you kind of understand yourself and in your relationships, your previous relationships or helped you kind of set standards even for future relationships or wherever you may be in your life right now. And we will continue for the month of February. We will continue to talk about relationships and love and communication and really continue to just be real about it, whether it's our own experiences and and bringing in other collective experiences that we're noticing whether it's on our timelines or in our own personal lives with friends and family yeah yeah I'm excited um to do like a friendship episode because I feel like platonic relationships aren't really talked about a lot Mm -hmm. um like all of these flags could apply to friendships too yeah and I feel like that's so important to keep in mind it's not just romantic or intimate relationships that these you know apply to yeah we could talk about toxic friendships like codependency all of those things I'm really excited to dive into that yes me too and I think we don't talk about that enough in society like you said or even Mm -hmm. you know how sometimes when friendships end it's almost more heartbreaking at times than when romantic relationships end and again just things that we're not prepared for or that we just don't talk about enough but that will definitely be coming up next so tune in everyone Mm -hmm. 
Thanks for joining us. Thanks for continuing to give us space in your lives and your hearts and your minds. And we hope you all stay safe, stay warm. If you're somewhere that needs to be staying warm or stay cold, I feel like I say that every episode. (laughs) And we hope you all take care and we will talk to you next week. Yes, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.